1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: This is the Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Spit swings and he hits a
3: drive.
4: He hits a slammer.
3: Graybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs.
4: Silicon wins now, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Love the opportunity to talk sports each and every Sunday with you. Final one of the year. Happy New Year's, everyone. Our producer, Drew Young, and I'm Tom Ackerman. Scott Jago will have the news at the top of the hour again at 11. We'll go till noon. We have the Chiefs and Bengals at 325. Dan Dierdorf joins us at 1145 today to wrap up our show. Really looking forward to catching up with Dan, the Hall of Famer, not only as a player, but a broadcaster, one of the best to do it. Monday Night Football analyst started his career, as you know, right here on KMOX. He's one of the legendary figures to grace our radio station airwaves without a doubt. And again, it's just great to be able to unwind and talk sports on these Sundays. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed it here. And as Mike Shannon would say, as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you, uh, we've had uh, a good year. I know that in the standings, it's been very difficult for Cardinals fans to take and for Blues fans to take for that matter. But, you know, these are franchises that are going to be here for a long, long time and are going to turn it around. And here on KMOX, we will continue to analyze and watch what it takes for this team to turn it around. We talk to the people that are in charge of doing so often here on sports on a Sunday morning. So our thanks to John Moselock for making himself available almost every week. Uh, Doug Armstrong, for example, has been very kind to join us. Tom Stillman joined us last week and on and on it goes. St. Louis city SC Lutz, fan and steel every single week joined us during the season on Sundays, Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens will be with us at 10 30 today. He'll talk about it with us. Uh, His program, which has had a long layoff. Uh, They'll play on Wednesday, finally. They haven't played for a while. We're going to talk to Matt Pauley, our sports open line host here at 1015, about this past year, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and what's to come. Uh, Ford at 1030, Blues breakdown at 1045. We'll go into the locker room and hear Drew Bannister and players after a 4-2 loss to the Penguins. 1115, a little college football as we look at what happened not only yesterday, I have some thoughts on that, but what's to come for Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Washington, Mizzou, of course, with their tremendous win and what that means for the brand. 11-30, a little baseball. A couple moves yesterday. Cardinals would like the, the Cardinals fans would like their team to make similar moves. I think Chris Sale, not these players in particular, but just add depth to the rotation. Chris Sale goes to the Braves. It's a big risk. He has a big injury history, but Alex Anthopoulos gets the benefit of the doubt from everybody. I mean, when the Braves make a move these days, he's earned this spot where everybody says, well, you know, that's probably a great move. You know, that usually works out for the Braves, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see. Uh, Vaughn Grissom was traded to the Red Sox for Chris Sale. Reds signed Frankie Montas. Interesting. You know, one-year $16 million deal. This is a Reds team to watch. They're young. Uh, they get the pitching in place. They could be really good. Montas has had an up-and-down career so far, also with some injury history. So we'll see where that goes and what the Cardinals' counter move is. I do think the Cardinals are going to make another move. I, I've said that all along. I think that they are willing to spend for a reliever, and we'll see where they go with it. I think they are interested in making a trade. They already made one, though, with Tyler O'Neill, and they get a little skittish, rightfully so, about trading away any prospects. These prospects tend to go on and have great careers, and the Cardinals have grown some really good young players that I think they'd like to retain. At the same time, I think we all know that they need to bulk up this rotation. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then Dan for 1145. Not only do I want to ask him about Michigan playing Alabama tomorrow for one piece of the college football playoff, but also about what happened last night in the NFL. It's a, a bad look for the NFL, and they continue to have bad looks and good. Uh, but the NFL is such a power that I hope they care about what happened last night. I know that the Dallas Cowboys are still the most popular team in the league. They're also the biggest villain in the league, which is why so many people watch them. Uh, but they won a game they shouldn't have won last night, 20-19. to 19. The Lions should have won the game. The, the Lions reported an eligible receiver, uh, and that eligible receiver caught the ball and scored the game-winning two-point conversion. The problem was Brad Allen, the official, didn't see it that way. He thought a different player was the eligible receiver, number 70, and so 68 catches the ball, but he thought 70 was the eligible receiver because the Lions, I think, tried to pull a fast one on the Cowboys by bringing all these linemen to the official. It ends up blowing up in their face. They didn't confuse the Cowboys as much as they confused the officials. The, the NFL's got to get that right. I mean, that, that can't happen. Well, imagine that happening. It's bad enough that it's going to hurt the Lions from their playoff seeding. Uh, they could have had a much higher seed. Now they've got to get some help after this loss. But what if that happens? What if that decides a playoff game? What if that decides the Super Bowl? We already had a, a holding call last year that everybody is still complaining about. What if that happened in the Super Bowl? That is a debacle that the NFL's got to fix. I mean, you can't just have a situation where a game can be decided because the official didn't see the report of an offensive lineman. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, to put it plain and simple, Taylor Decker, number 68, catches the pass. That should have been it then and there, but it wasn't. Uh, they actually went for two a second time after that penalty, which I would not have done. I mean, I absolutely kicked the extra point there after you've been moved back. But they go for the throat again, don't get it, but Dallas is offside. They get a third chance moving up, and they go for two, and it's incomplete, and Dallas wins the game. And Detroit has to sit there with Taylor Decker having caught a pass to win it, and they celebrated and had no idea that it was an ineligible receiver. Dan Campbell's going ballistic on the sideline because he said, I told you, he told the officials before the game that they would run a play with 68. If you watch the video, it's pretty clear that 68 is told by Jared Goff, go report. He goes to the official, and he's like two feet away from his nose, and a guy who's 10 feet away or more, uh, Dan Skipper, number 70, is like he barely looks at 70. But he says that 70, if you look at the pool report, Brad Allen's uh, report afterwards, is that 70 was the eligible receiver, therefore 68's ineligible. That's a tough, tough, tough break for the Detroit Lions. And really, NFL fans are going to, well, I mean, the NFL is such a behemoth that it'll probably get glossed over and they'll just move on. But I'm telling you, if something like that happens in a Super Bowl, it's it's history. It's bad, bad, bad for the league. Do they care? We'll find out. We don't have a great relationship with the NFL around here. My relationship with the NFL is very casual. I I covered it for a long time. I enjoyed covering it for you, for Rams fans. Now I understand where our audience is. Our audience, I think, is a lot like me. I think it's casual. It's something to have on in the house while you're doing stuff. I don't know how into it you are unless you really have a team that the Chiefs are somebody that that you now live and die with, but... For me, it's just a casual entertainment. Uh it's such a monster right now that it I guess it's great for the economy and, and all that good stuff, but it's um I just don't trust the league anymore. You know, after what happened around here. I just don't I, I look at the league with a skeptical eye. I appreciate the talent of the players. There's no doubt about that and of the coaches, and but the league to me, I just, you know, I I it's it's very suspect all the time for me. I just, it doesn't feel, it feels dirty. It doesn't feel pure. Um, not a lot of sports are pure. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I get it. But that one is just like out in your face. I just don't ever trust anything anymore. I'll watch it. I'll enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm not going to invest my life emotionally in the NFL anymore. Unless some billionaire comes and swoops the team up and brings it to St. Louis for another try and pays for everything. Then I might get a little more interested. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk to Matt Pauly about everything sports in 2023. We have Travis Ford waiting at 1030. We have the Blues at 1045. We have college football at 1115. We have baseball at 1130. We have Dan Dierdorf at 1145. Good show. Chiefs and Bengals at 325 right here on KMOX. 1018 joined now by Sports Open Line host Matt Pauly live on this New Year's Eve. Good morning, Matt. Happy New Year to you.
5: Good morning, Tom. Happy New Year to you.
4: How are you doing? What do you think about uh, your year? First, let me talk about you personally. I'm going to just embarrass you for a moment. You've had a great year. It's great to have you here. Now, you were with us last season, but it's great to have you for a full season. You did a terrific job. You host sports open line. You do Cardinals pregame, postgame on weeknights for us. Big part of the network. And you got an opportunity to call play-by-play at the major league level for the Cardinals in your old town you're from here but in your previous city of Milwaukee that's a pretty good year
5: yeah and my wife is pregnant too so we're going to have our first child <laughs> yes, born sir. in St. Louis you know our first daughter was born in Wisconsin so uh this literally was one of the best years of my life 2023 was uh, amazing for all the reasons you mentioned plus much much more
4: i love to hear it buddy and look uh you know we're going to start with the cardinals because i know that this is a rough year for everybody, including us. I mean, you know, we want high expectations to be the standard around here. You you should, every year, the Cardinals' goal and the fans should want the goal to be a world championship. And that's not because we're spoiled. That's because they've won 11. They promote it themselves. They put a World Series trophy out in Ballpark Village. The Cardinals make no secret of the fact that that they want to win a World Series. I look back to this time last year, I think that people were excited about the team, rightfully so. There were some questions about the depth of the rotation, and unfortunately for the Cardinals, that all came true. The rotation did have to deal with depth issues, and it just unraveled from there. A very forgettable year for the Cardinals.
5: Yeah, something none of us were expecting, because even looking at the, the potential issues with the team this past season, the thought was that they were still good enough to win the division. The the, the conversation before the season wasn't if they were going to win the division. It was by how many games they were going to win the division. So then for them to lose as many games as they did, uh, first time since, you know, 1990 they've been at that number, uh, for them to be a last-place team in, in a division that bluntly wasn't that good, uh, it was – It was startling, and now the job of the organization is to make sure that that is not something that happens again.
4: I think that's absolutely true. So how do you do that? I mean, let's analyze this rotation right now. Give me your thoughts on what they have with Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Stephen Matz. That's my first guess as to how it will go one through five if, if they don't make another deal between now and March 28th.
5: Yeah, they've got guys who can cover innings. That seems to be the the most important part of what they were trying to do. I think there's a belief that – because really, honestly, last year uh, the bullpen – was as much of an issue as starting pitching was. If you get rid of half of the blown saves, say, at the trade deadline, this is a team that is still very much in contention, and maybe they're buying at the deadline, and maybe it looks different. So uh, the starting pitching is going to impact relief pitching as well. The The bullpen was just overused last year as a result of not getting innings from starting pitching. So, you know, the, the guys that they have brought in with Lynn and Gibson and obviously Sonny Gray, they're guys that are going to take the ball every fifth day. They're guys that, who can potentially pitch deep games. Gray is the elite guy of that obviously he came in second place in the american league cy young award voting last year it still feels like maybe they're a half step behind uh the top of the national league when you're looking at the dodgers and the braves and teams like that but it feels like just with that starting pitching uh they're back in position to at least contend in the nl central yeah i mean
4: they did what they had to do i mean they filled the glass of water back up uh the the problem is they don't have much uh other than that glass of water i mean they need a little you know Little ice in there, a little maybe a little uh little something little something fun for the fans to sip on, you know? I mean, they they, they did what they were supposed to do. They filled innings, but people feeling a little unfulfilled at the moment after that. I do see I, I still believe, and I said it at the beginning of the show, that the Cardinals are willing to spend on a reliever. That's my belief. I think they're still hunting for that bullpen. How do you stack up that bullpen as you see it right now with Romero and Helsley looking like on the back end, lefty-righty.
5: Yeah, unfortunately right now I think it's a lot of question marks because I'm a big track record guy. And JoJo Romero did it for two months down the stretch of the season. Now, if you get that JoJo Romero – That's fantastic, but that's a big if. Ryan Helsley, when he's on, and I thought he was – he may have had his best run once he came off the injured list last year because not only was he incredibly effective, he was pitching in back-to-back days. That isn't something that we've seen a lot from him in his career, but injuries and not being available uh, are something that have have bothered him. So uh, just – I think there's a lot more question marks than there are maybe exclamation points there. If you squint and if everything – is as good as it possibly can be if you get the best version of those guys then the bullpen can be very effective but I think like you I would love to see them go get somebody who's got a track record who maybe has a little bit of closing experience just somebody that when when you're in that plan B bullpen day when Helsley isn't available when some other guys aren't available a guy who can go cover the ninth and you feel pretty comfortable with.
4: I think it's a big deal that they missed Helsley for half the year basically 70 games is what he missed that's a huge loss that taxed the bullpen for Sure, I'd love to see what a healthy Helsley, and that's the thing. Everything when it comes to baseball is health, and you know I look at the lineup as well, and I see players. I'm going to knock on wood that there is some health going on there with Goldschmidt and Arenado, who have a great skill of staying on the field. Uh, Donovan, I hope, is going to be okay. John Mozaylock told us a couple weeks ago that things were trending in the right direction for him. But Gorman can absolutely handle second base when it's short. An outfield of Newt Barr, Edmund, and Walker with a fourth outfielder at the moment looks like Dylan Carlson. Contreras behind the plate with Herrera backing him up. I mean, is that enough in your mind offensively and defensively for this club?
5: Yeah, I I absolutely think it is. Now, again, you mentioned health, and that's the big part of this, that that group needs to be healthy. I thought it was really interesting. I can't tell you how many times at the winter meetings between John Moselock and Oliver Marmel, we kept hearing the talk about them wanting consistency in the field. And really, the way baseball has gone in recent years, we haven't heard that as much. It's something the, the uh, positionless baseball has kind of become a thing. And, you know, guys like Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond are really good to have because they can play so many positions. But to me, it feels like the Cardinals want to be able to focus on having basically the same group of guys out in the field on an every-night basis, or at least uh, the same type of right lineup and lefty lineup on, on an every-night basis, and that was part of the decision to trade Tyler O'Neal. There's a lot that went into that decision, but by moving Tyler O'Neal, it allows them to kind of stick with the three outfielders you mentioned more often than not. Yeah,
4: the Cardinals will have the DH. that They can rotate a number of people through, no doubt, so there are some options offensively, and maybe if the starters can just go deeper into games, that'll help the offense, too, and the defense everybody would be a little more focused and not press to try to come back in games you want to try to at least have your pitcher give you a chance and then close it out and the offense perhaps can relax and do its thing Matt Pauly is with us about six uh, five minutes to go let's say in in this little conversation so let's do some quick hitters on the other sports. I know the Cardinals are our big broadcast partner. The other one is St. Louis City SC, and then the other one is St. Louis University. Let's talk about City first. I mean, you think about the good things that happened in St. Louis sports in 2023. City has to top the list, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, for so many reasons. First off, they were incredible on the field. They won the Western Conference as an expansion team. That's unheard of. The winning streak that they were on uh, at the beginning of the season, the historic winning streak for an expansion team, but the thing that most strikes me about the first season for City was how they did everything to get a city and a metro area to fall in love with them. Uh, the way the stadium was built, just everything inside, even the food options as part of it, with it all being local. And I had the opportunity to do those city caravans during sports open line, So I got some pretty good one-on-one time with a few players. And I don't just say this. I, I really mean this. These guys were – genuine really good guys who are so thankful and grateful for the city fan base and I just think all of that coming together it was such a it was such a perfect thing I'm not a huge soccer guy and I, I loved watching what was going on. My wife does, has, has never watched a, a soccer match in her life, and there we are. It's at the playoffs, and they're matched up against Kansas City, and she and I are, are sitting on the couch watching those games together. It's just, it was incredible watching that team and that organization and kind of the love affair that they had with the metro
4: area. Very well said. I think that they embraced the underdog role, and they played it perfectly. They had a chip on their shoulder, and they went and won the Western Conference in the regular season. Then they gave bounce in the first round so it's a little dose of reality that when you're number one it's a little different than when you're number whatever it was 30 <laughs> and, and nobody picks you to do anything and you're ticked off about it so somehow they're going to have to regain that edge I think in terms of roster construction Matt they're going to do exactly what they did and what they said they were going to do is grow this foundation and grow it with not only St. Louis local players, but a lot of young players. They'll add some veteran experience here and there, and we'll see and have some fun with it. The St. Louis Blues, I'm curious sort of what you think about where they are. To me, uh, they're in a transition, and they have to figure out who they are. What is the identity of the St. Louis Blues? What they used to be was a bruising defensive team, that could score some opportunistic goals, Matt, with a goaltender who got hot. Right now, they're just trying to figure it all out, and the change in leadership was reflective of that.
5: Yeah, and I I think when you look at 2023 as a whole for the Blues, it it really goes back to them – making the decision to sell off last year. Now that sell off is already paying dividends as we saw seven players uh, participate in the World Juniors. The Blues were tied for first in the NHL and a lot of those guys were the 18-year-olds, so really young players. So clearly there's a bright future for this organization and they've done a, a good job, but that they're still years away from that. Uh, they had a slow start. They make the coaching change. You never really know what's going to happen with a coaching change. We have seen in St. Louis coaching changes r- really, really work in the middle of the season. But honestly, what happens more often than not is you make a coaching change, there's a temporary bump, and then things kind of go back to where they were or maybe sometimes things go to a place where it was worse than they were before so if if Drew Bannister can get this team to the playoffs he probably gets the the full-time job and he's coaching the team without the interim title on his uh, on his you know nameplate come next year but there are nothing but question marks right now about this team.
4: I don't think there's any doubt as for college sports. We'll talk to Travis Ford about the Billikens here in a little bit. Uh, His team is sputtering right now. A lot of it due to injuries. They've got to figure out how to get that back together. Good program, but basically where the a 10 is now uh, they've got to win the conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, that's where the league has fallen. You know, uh, that league as well. And you also know that the University of Missouri was in the NCAA tournament last year, not to mention Illinois, which is dealing with its own issues with Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, they are a power uh, right now in the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten and the SEC has it pretty easy compared to what St. Louis University is going to have to try to accomplish.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Just in terms of the opportunity to get there. You look at SLU and being in an in the A ten, as you allude to, there's gonna be years where the A ten has an up year and maybe they get a couple teams into the tournament, but as it is right now, it doesn't feel like that's gonna happen. It still feels like to me that SLU is kinda on the wrong side of that line of really having this thing moving. And they've they've got the facilities. Uh, they're in a metro area. They've got everything going for them to be an incredibly successful program, and I'm not quite sure what it's going to take for them to kind of cross over that line, and we'll see what they can do. I think they're going to be competitive in the A-10, but being competitive and winning the A-10 are two different things. It's really fun watching what's going on with Missouri and Coach Dennis Gates, and um, even if, they, if, if they're if they not a tournament team this year, we saw what they could do last year, and the recruiting class that's been put together uh, has been absolutely fantastic. So there's no reason to to not believe that Missouri basketball is going to be really moving along. And and you mentioned Illinois. This is a tough time to be talking about them because – All season long, they have looked nothing short of incredible. Uh, There are a couple losses that they have been against really, really uh, good teams, but they've had a guy that's uh, been a candidate for maybe the player of the year this year in college basketball, and in all likelihood, he's not going to play again. Even if he is innocent of of everything that has been charged against him, that legal process is going to take some time to play out, so it feels like this is a program that's going to have to move forward without their best player and Terrence Shannon Jr., and um, you, you just don't know how that's going to affect them when they're playing those big games and trying to make a tournament run. And
4: I'll close with this, Matt. What a great sports town we have. I mean, NASCAR sells out back-to-back races, and they'll go for a third this coming year. Uh, IndyCar comes to the track as well. Worldwide Technology Raceway is thriving right now. Nick Ragone's got that Ascension Charity Classic rolling right now, and it's fun to see PGA Tour champions in town. And soon the PGA Tour will be back in 2026. Uh, great sports town, Battle Hawks having a blast down at the Dome. What a party that is. And that's always a lot of fun. But I am very pleased to see the University of Missouri showing great interest in St. Louis as a college football town. They have moved a game here. There's more to come. Uh, and they have taken St. Louis kids to the top with Brady Cook, Luther Burden uh, and Cody Schrader, not to mention a few others who were key in that win over Ohio State. What a great finish to the year for Mizzou.
5: It was. It was incredible, and they just kept kind of leaning on Ohio State, and then finally in that fourth quarter, the offense was able to get going enough for them to score a a couple touchdowns. Uh, A year where you thought maybe the ceiling was six or seven wins for them, uh, they end up getting 11. They finish off the season with a Cotton Bowl victory against a top-10 team in Ohio State. You mentioned the, the focus on St. Louis, and that is a very important fo- focus for them, and that's great to see. And, you know, in my lifetime, uh, whether it's Missouri football or Missouri Missouri basketball, it feels like there's always been the relationship between uh, different teams in uh, Columbia and St. Louis, it, it kind of wanes back and forth. But you're right. St. Louis is such a big part of what Mizzou Athletics is doing right now, and it's great to see.
4: Yeah, really is uh, we have a lot of fun around here in women's sports with slew women's soccer slew women's basketball having very very good seasons we'll talk to the men's coach Travis Ford coming up in just a few minutes for now we say thank you and happy new year to Matt Pauley. appreciate you joining us on KMOX you bet happy new year sports on a Sunday morning sponsored by Graybar Travis Ford is next our Billiken report with coach Travis Ford is sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri and we welcome in the coach great to talk to you happy new year
2: Happy New Year, Tom! Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on.
4: It's good to have you on, and I know that you want twenty twenty four to get off with a bang. Twenty twenty three left in the rearview mirror after what has been an assortment of injuries and struggles. Some bright spots, without a doubt. But man, I've never seen it like this, and and uh, I know you haven't.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been crazy. Uh, you talk about uh, a lot of injuries. You know, you start out season four and zero. Oh, uh, and thought we were playing pretty good basketball, but, but could be even playing a lot better, but sitting there 4-0, and then you get your leading score, uh, goes down with the injury, and obviously Sincere Parker's not back yet, and, um, and then you got another whole list of injuries, and then, uh, you know, it's just it's it's part of the game, it's part of it, but uh, it's it, it took its toll on us a little bit, because we had to change style of play, and uh, you know, just had to adjust so much. But, you know, we survived it, uh, you know, got out of there 7-6, to six, um, you know, with a lot of areas to get better at, uh, and we better get better very, very, very quickly.
4: Yeah, I mean, you played at times really well with a lot of spirit against North Carolina State, I thought. I mean, the Wolfpack and Raleigh, but you know, they're a good program for a reason, and they played a full 40, and your team was not able to match that. I'm sure that was a big talking point not only after the game, but here moving forward.
2: Yeah, you know, you're 100% right. Um, you know, and it's it's been a little bit of a problem of ours, the second halves. You know, um, and we're trying to pinpoint it and what we can do as a coaching staff and what I can do and what 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 do our players need to do, so forth. But, you know, we're up at halftime uh, at NC State, and they're like 50-1 over the last 50, 51 game, whatever their number is, uh, non-conference. Um really good at home and thought really we're playing well and thought we'd uh, done all the things on our checklist, uh, the boxes we needed to check in, in order to win the game and everything was going well. But what has happened to us a lot in the second half, teams have really started making threes on us. You look at all of our second halves that have, have, have hurt us, it's usually from the three-point line, whether it be NC State, whether it be Drake, whether it be Southern Illinois, whoever it may be. And some of our losses, it's the three-point line that's really hurting us. And a lot of those threes are coming off turnovers. You know, points off turnovers and threes are, are, are a major number we've got to uh, gotta get better at here very, very soon. And like you said, we've got to understand it's not a 20-minute game. It's a 40-minute game that we, uh, we've got to sustain our competitiveness uh, through the whole game.
4: Yeah, I hear you on that. You know, I may gripe quietly about the three-point line. Sometimes I think kids rely too much on shooting the three, but they can be a real backbreaker, can't they? I mean, when those things go in, it's like, oh, goodness.
2: Well, it can be, obviously, you know, uh, especially when you get hot from three. uh, And that's what teams have done on us in the second half. and. A lot of times it's, uh, you know, it's obviously the great equalizer if you're down in a game or whatever it may be. It's, uh, you know, and then we help the calls by turning it over, leading to threes, or give up second shots leading to threes. Uh, You know, those are bag breakers, uh, especially when you're on the road trying to win an ACC game against a a team that's really, really good, uh, very, very talented, uh, just way too many mistakes. uh, You know, I, I wouldn't say unforced, because their pressure was relentless. Uh, NC State pressed us for 40 minutes, and they were relentless. But a lot of them, you know, we uh, we just didn't execute and kind of gave it to them. So we got to look at ourselves and figure out where we can get better.
4: I was watching yesterday Indiana State and Michigan State. It reminded me of. Your team going into NC State and trying to battle a a really good team, and Michigan State just kind of pulled away from them. Nothing wrong necessarily with Indiana State. It's just you know it's it's tough sledding sometimes in these road games, non-conference. And I meanwhile, Florida Atlantic loses to Florida Gulf Coast yesterday. You know, seventh ranked team in the country. I mean, anything can happen in this game of college basketball. Uh, What do you tell your players going into the A-10? Which I still think is very much an unknown and if you're healthy, a very gettable conference, I think. I mean very competitive conference, kind of anybody's league.
2: Yeah, you know, I think we've had a pretty good non conference for the most part as a league. Uh you know, we, we we didn't help causes a lot, but you look at Dayton, I think they're far above probably the best team that's coming out of non conference. You look at their numbers, St. Joe's has had a really good year. They've got a player of the year candidate on their team. Um, And then after that, you know, and I don't know, you know, a whole lot, but, uh, you know, because teams change so much. But after that, you know, you've had some teams that have played well, but I don't know who has actually, you know, uh, stuck out. I think Davidson has probably surprised a lot of people, and they've played really, really well lately. We knew Duquesne was going to be good. You knew St. Bonaventure was going to be good. Because anytime you have your whole team returning, especially in the A10, you're, you're gonna you're gonna be good. In which those two teams have every single player returning, um, you know. So they they played well, uh, but I think it's you know like you said, it, it there's so much unknown in the A10 because rosters change so much. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to go forward, but I think Dayton definitely. Uh, has stood out the most non-conference.
4: Big home game for Travis Ford's team on Wednesday. You come out of the gate, long layoff here, and you take on Loyola on Wednesday night at Chaffetz at 6 o'clock. I'm not sure what to make of Loyola. I'd be curious what you've seen of them so far. They have a couple of losses this month against Tulsa and South Florida, but they beat a good Harvard team, beat them good by 22. Um, They also beat B.C. earlier in the season. What, What is your take on Loyola?
2: Yeah, really good wins, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, Loyola is obviously either led by one of the best players in the league, uh, a four-man, uh, Alston, who is uh, a six-seven, 230, all-muscle, big, physical player. Uh, you know, uh, I think either he was preseason first team or second team, uh, really, really good players, averaging about almost 16 points a game for him can score in every way. He's just a matchup problem because he's so big and physical. He posts, they post him a lot. He goes off the dribble a lot and now he's shooting threes and, and making threes, which makes him even a tougher threat. Um, and then they get went in the portal and got a lot of really good players out of the transfer portal uh, to build their team around as well as some returning players, uh, but played a, a good schedule, uh, you know, and, and a team that, uh, you know, is is an older team. Uh, they've got their point guards been there and played in a Sweet 16, has been a starter there for, you know, going on four years right now. So, you know, they've got some veteran players, but they're led by this four-man Austin, who is uh, one of the best players in our league.
4: Uh, Travis Ford is with us, and I mentioned final thing for you here is, you know, your last game was December 20th. I alluded to that long layoff. That is long. I mean, it's probably the longest you've ever had. How have you handled that as you get into this January 3rd matchup through the holidays. How have you been able to navigate it?
2: Yeah, it's the longest I've ever had in 27 years as a college head coach. It's by far the longest uh, period of time between games and probably gave my team off the longest that I've ever given a team off. We played on the 20th at at NC State. Uh, And then uh, everyone went home the next day and we reconvened the night of the 26th uh, and been practicing every day since. you know, obviously for us, it was a big debate Do we put a game in between after Christmas, between this game on the Wednesday, we debated it back and forth, and uh, you know, we're sitting right here, I think, I'm probably a little bit glad that we didn't play just because we're still fighting the injury bug, and still trying to get everybody healthy, Um, but you're also nervous that you haven't played a game in so long, so you can sit and debate that all day long, uh, you know, what it's going to look like, but bottom line is, we throw it up Wednesday against a very good Loyola team, and conference opener and we we better play better than we've played and play for 40 minutes and you know uh and hopefully we've we've been able to get better defensively you know over the last week we've tried to really focus on that because our defensive numbers have just not been good at all just really really disappointed and uh and in our defense numbers we've got to get better so we've tried to concentrate up on that but still trying to get healthy and trying to get everybody going
4: Big game coming up on Wednesday. We appreciate the time very much. Happy New Year to you and your family. It's always great to talk to you and while we're wrapping up this year, thank you for doing this. Not only this no, season but last sure. season.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for all you do and Everything you guys do for Billiken Athletics there and, and our program. and uh, Happy New Year to you, Tom. Appreciate it very much.
4: Thank you, Coach. There's nothing better than having college basketball right in the middle of the city. I mean, just minutes from your doorstep. It is great stuff. Travis Ford, head coach of the St. Louis University Billikins here on KMOX. When we take a break, we will return with the Blues. They also play here in the city At Enterprise Center, they had back-to-back games and lost them both to the Avalanche and the Penguins. We'll review that. With the players and the coach, Drew Bannister next. Sports on a Sunday morning on K...
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me
3: KMOX, the Billiken Report,
4: was sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome back to the show. It is great to be with you as always. Tom Ackerman with you. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Coming up next hour before we get to the Blues here. Just wanted to let you know what we have coming. We'll talk some college football after we do our NFL picks. We will pick against the spread. Haven't had a chance to do that in a little while, Drew. So we'll see what's out there. Uh, it'll be our picks at 1106. We should call it that. I just thought of that. Picks at 1106. Solid. What do you think? I like it. <laughs> and do it, like, all year. You know, we'll yeah.
1: we'll, we'll picks at 06. Picks at 06. There picks at
4: 1106. What do you think? <laughs> what sounds better? And then, you know, we'll do it during baseball season. We'll do it for, for other sports. But uh, football is the easiest to, to pick. Right. Uh, it's it's the the most popular gambling sport etc. Anyway, we'll do that. Um, Thank you. Thank you for the support on that. Uh, What about uh, the NFL, though? We'll we'll get into that, and then I think I will circle back to the controversy from last night uh, the Lions-Cowboys game. We talked about it in the last... Uh, The first segment of the show at 1115, though, we'll get into college football and sort out this college football playoff. But also, I think it's important to highlight the University of Missouri and what they were able to do this year. What a season. I mean, going into the Cotton Bowl and beating Ohio State, I don't care what kind of Ohio State team that is. Uh, That might have been a team that was a little bit short. That to me is not about Ohio State. I know it's great to beat Ohio State and beat the brand, but that to me was about Missouri's brand that Missouri needed to establish its brand and to be able to show people what they are all about. Missouri, by the way, for those of you who are too young to remember, had a great football brand for a long time. Uh, I'm talking like 60s and 70s. And it was a good football team, Dan Devine and uh, Al Frio and Warren Powers, and then Powers ends up getting fired, and then the team just tanks in the 80s. It was just bad. Woody offer Bob Stull, Larry Smith brought it back to a respectable level, and then Gary Pinkle took over and elevated them to Big 12 North champions, to an SEC uh, East champion, and they ended up playing for some pretty big stuff. I mean, they were the number one team in the nation for a time in 2007, great year, great year in 13, going to the Cotton Bowl, and then here they are, Going to the Cotton Bowl again and winning it against Ohio State. The Missouri brand, they should make no uh, mistake about it, is a team game. And if you want to play for a team that's a lot of fun, a team that's going to be there for each other, a brotherhood, uh, that is the University of Missouri football team. That was a great performance. uh, And a game that was unwatchable for three quarters. But they stuck in there, and they played a good, solid fourth quarter, and Ohio State didn't, and that's the difference in the ballgame. They beat Ohio State fair and square, 14-3. to That is a very good job by Eli Drinkwitz. All year long, they stayed consistent, and they found a way to win. They lost two games to some really good teams, Georgia and LSU. There's no shame in that. Great year for the University of Missouri, one of the best years they've had. And I think just uh, the beginning, I think they now have the building blocks in place to recruit and get those players that they need to take them to be a consistent 9-10 win team. And in this case, 11 wins. That was just an excellent, excellent year for the University of Missouri. We'll talk about it a little bit more at eleven fifteen. Right now, let's turn our attention to the Blues. Here is Drew Bannister after a 4-2 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins.
6: Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, um, you know, the first goal, we make a, you know, mistake in the neutral zone. Our deep pinches when he shouldn't ends up in the back of our net, and then, uh, you know, we we, we we take an undisciplined planet in the second. And they they make us pay. You know, um, up to then we we played a pretty pretty good road game, but then we're chasing the game. Um, you know, they're able to score to, to to separate. We we get ourselves close. You know, our power play scores again and we had some opportunities we had hit a few crossbars a few posts but you know again like we can't uh, we can't make those mistakes in the neutral zone we can't take those penalties it's just the margin of, uh, of errors is just it's too small and we got to be better in those areas obviously sammy's penalty cost you but did the other two kind of not allow you to get back into the flow of the game in the second period there sorry what the yeah i mean the, the second period i yeah we we didn't get much flow going we didn't shoot many pucks um you know i, I thought thought the first you know we had the puck we could have shot more I, sh- I thought in the third we started to shoot more pucks you know and um you know n- missing by a couple of inches i don't know how many crossbars and posts we hit in the third there was a few uh but but the second we you know af- after you know we took that penalty and they scored we were you know we weren't able to generate anything i thought again we were we were passing up opportunities to to shoot we weren't getting to the net um you know and we just, we, we didn't get much going in the second. Uh, for Kapanen, I mean, we spoke about him before the game. Good to, to see him kind of get back on the board. Yeah, nice to see him score there, and Scotty made a good play getting through the, the puck to the net. and You know, he was able to get a, a, a stick on it, um, get rewarded, so it's nice to see him kind of break out here today. As far as the power play goes, I mean, are you seeing, we saw the goal tonight, are you seeing more signs of progress? Yeah, or? I mean, you know, we went two for three tonight. Um, you know, I, I know... You know, yesterday we weren't able to score and, you know, we're at the times we, we, we need to score in that game. Um, but we saw some positive signs. We created a lot of opportunities. Um, today we were able to finish on some of them. You talk about wanting to shoot the puck more. How do you kind of relay that message to to your group? Is it just... no, I think that's the exact, you know, that's what we relayed after the second period and we started to, to shoot more. We had good opportunities. We had some good looks. We created some chaos around the net. Um, we just, I thought in the second, we again, we we were instead of looking to shoot we were looking to pass the lanes closed off on us and you know we weren't able to get anything to that
1: what did you see from joel tonight particularly on some of the breakaways that they had there
6: yeah, i thought joel was really good i mean uh, in the second there you know a couple of the bounces they were able to spring loose and he made some real good saves for us to keep us you know keep us in the game when it was 2-1 um so he gave us an opportunity to win here tonight
4: that is Drew Bannister after a loss to the Penguins 4-2. to Blues missed a few opportunities to be great yesterday. There is no shame necessarily in uh, how they played overall, but the result isn't what they want. Be better in front of the net. Drew Bannister said it right there. They uh, did show some signs of that and have really during the eight games that he's been the interim coach. They are now 5-3. and three. Here's Robert Thomas.
2: Yeah, I mean we were right in it to the end. Um, you know, they scored in a couple of plays and, and we hit the post. You know, he made some good saves. So um, yeah, I mean we were we were right in it. It was a tough uh, tough back to back, and um, you know I thought we did our it did a good job of keeping ourselves in the game and giving us a good chance to win. The second period was it just
6: penalties that kind of derailed you guys.
2: Yeah, you lose the flow a little bit. We uh, can't be taking that many penalties, obviously. They had a ton of great players and a uh, really good power play, and they scored one on us. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough, especially on yeah, a back-to-back, um, you know, a couple penalties in a row. It loses the flow, but I th- thought we did a good job in the third bouncing back and, and fighting back. And, um, yeah, I think we had a ton of great chances to, to score and, and tie the game up.
4: 14 of the Blues' shot attempts were blocked by the Penguins, 14 of them. And they lost the game by a final of 4-2 to to wrap up December. Next game isn't until Thursday, January 4th. They'll host the Vancouver Canucks at Enterprise Center. We're just getting going here halfway through sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. We're sponsored by Graybar.
1: We're back. Dan Deerdorf is just about 45 minutes away. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?